everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Uh, today, um, we have Chris McChesney. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, it's perfect, Evan. Yep, you got it. Uh, he is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. Uh, his book is The Four Disciplines of Execution. Um, I have to tell you, I loved listening to it. I did not read it. I listened to books on audio. Uh, but it's really a must-listen to or must-read a must-read book. Uh, it's done in conjunction with with uh, Franklin Covey, um, and you know I think from my point of view everything they've done is just really sensational. Um, I know we want to get right into you know what is 4DX and what are, what are all the things you're doing, but let's start with the why. Mm. What does the benefit if someone adopting the principles that you lay out in your book? What's the benefit for them? Yeah, it it's really revolves around one primary problem, one challenge. You know that adage that it's, they say it's better to fall in love with the problem than to fall in love with a solution. And the problem that we have been in love with for 18 years is how to execute a strategy that requires a high degree of human buy-in and engagement. That full stop, that's the, and everything associated with that, that's what this thing is aimed at right there. Well, you, Chris, don't know this, but my, I have a training company, Tortle, but I have a consulting yep. company, Engage Consulting. So when I read your book and about the importance mm -hmm. of engaging and involving people in the decision-making, it was just like, absolutely, this is, that is the magic oh, ingredient. Right that is the magic ingredient. Yep. Okay. But so for the people who haven't read this, this will be funny. For the people who have read, they'll totally get it. So tell everybody why you should wear a wig. <laughs> okay, how I can take it at that. Wildly important goal is the is the is the term that we gave to the targets that that can only be achieved with a high degree of, of human engagement or change in people's behavior. So that's the that's the nomenclature that people remember the most uh, or associate the most with what with the four disciplines of execution. We get all the governor of Colorado. We've got pictures of him. We were there, and he was giving out awards, and the awards were these bright purple wigs for people that had achieved their wildly important goals. So well, it's cute. People have a lot of fun with that. that. That is cool. So what's the difference between a wig and just a normal goal? Ah, great question. The, the, the treatment, the, the difference is that with a wildly important goal, you're going to give it a special treatment. You're going to apply a set of dis, you know, goals. There's a wide range of what that word can mean to people. That could be a, a, a thing I want to accomplish, a project. That could be a standard I have to maintain. That could be a value. Like that word is really broad. When we say wildly important goal or wig, we're talking about a target that we apply the four disciplines of execution to. Yeah. Okay. So that's the that's the cleanest definition I can give you for that. Cool. So. You know, I, I can sit here and um, I want to talk about your book so badly because I love it. But I've got to ask questions a lot. You yeah, anything you want. Book. Yeah, I want you to do that too. Whatever, whatever, whatever uh, well, you want. Wherever you want to go is great. So, I mean, the ne the next concept that you really talk about that I think is wildly important is really measuring and focusing on things that matter, that are predictive, and not predictive as much as influencing as opposed to focusing on things that most people run to, which are results-oriented. 
So we want to improve margin. We want to improve sales. Those are our key KPIs. And you're really looking at this and you're going to, you know, what I call the core of the source. So why is that important? And maybe give people a little bit more clarity better than what I just described. Yeah, no, that's really perfect, Evan. And, and you're really getting at it. The, the psychology behind all of this in our minds is associated with something that feels like a winnable game. If the yeah. work that you're engaged in, if the result that you're pursuing, if you don't feel like you can influence that, if you don't feel like it's a winnable game, stop what you're doing. Like one of the ways we say, if you feel like luck is playing a role in your career, right? You're, you're in this trap of looking at lag data and lag data is very important, but, but, if you de decide that you're going to make something, like you said, Evan, that's our first discipline. If you decided you're going to make something a wildly important goal or a wig, the first part of that treatment is breaking that goal down into its component parts down to a level where you can get your hands on this thing, where you could actually have some influence over it. And, and it's called a discipline for a reason because that's not, that's not easy and it's not intuitive for people to do. But until, until something feels like a winnable game, um, you don't have engagement. And that, that's a big part of, the, of the, the whole purpose around this work is how do you help a leader that knows they have to achieve a particular result and knows they can only do it through the people? How do you engage them around that goal in a way that it does feel winnable for those people? That's what so we're doing. It's really about... I like to use the term having the, the, the hearts and the minds of everybody. I mean, that's really what, what, what it's what yeah, it's. You can buy their back and you can buy their time, but they have to volunteer their hearts and their minds. Yeah. Which then comes to your third discipline, which is the discipline of engagement. Do you, you want to talk about that? So in discipline three, if, if uh, and let's, let's just frame it just a little bit. So the first discipline is having a really clear target a really clear goal. Like, you know, everybody can relate to a grade point average or GPA or you know, their first association with, with goals sometimes was academic. And that's a goal, right? But that, 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 that tends to feel like one of those lag measures, at least it was for me, you know, I was really important to me and I really, really wanted to do it. But then I'd start missing assignments and, and, and start slipping and then it would get away from me. And that, that, that right, lead measures, discipline, right? Can I first in discipline one, can I get really clear on starting line, finish line, deadline? And then in discipline two, right, number of hours that I spend studying per week, current homework percentage, right? Can I get my hands on a couple of metrics? Three is can I see it in the form of a compelling scoreboard? Not, not the kind of scoreboard that leaders create, not the, not the spreadsheet coaches scoreboard that we, we right you, those are necessary and we need them but this is more like the scoreboard you might see at a sporting event uh this is simple compelling it's a player scoreboard can i see the lead and lag measures and the reason this has a, such an impact on engagement is because up until this point discipline one and discipline two are kind of theoretical but once it hits that scoreboard it goes live it's real and and for people until they're keeping score, it doesn't feel real. And that's, the, and that's really what you're getting with the third discipline. So I got a lot out of the third discipline about taking advantage of the knowledge of the team and how critical that is. 
Um, that's certainly one of my deep principles. So uh, people watch. For us as well. Yeah. People listening couldn't see his head nodding up and down like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. <laughs> so I'm now going to ask you the questions people ask me that drive me crazy about it. Uh, let's go here. How do we have time to actually involve the staff and people? You know what it is? It's knowing when to apply that and when not to apply it. All right. There are many things over which we do not need staff input. And I am not an advocate of leadership by democracy. Yeah, normally. Right? So if we, if we divided the whole realm of a leader's responsibility into three columns, okay? Let's say the first column we call stroke of the pen. It's anything I can do with money or leadership authority. It's critical bets. We're gonna, we're gonna change our number of SKUs. We're gonna add a new unit. We're gonna, we're gonna buy that new piece of machinery. The staff doesn't get a vote on that. Yeah. My next, the one on the line, I'm going to make that call right now. I may get their input. Hopefully I'll learn from them, but I have to make that call on the other end in terms of how the day to day is run. We call that life support because in the book, we refer to it as the whirlwind, right? Yeah. Whether you see it as a positive or negative, but it's all the work required to maintain the operation. The average person doesn't get a say in this is how the business is run, what we do every day. So those two elements, right? We're not advocating massive amounts of involvement. The key is when you've got something, and, and this is what Ed, Edwards Deming, the great quality guru said, that, that people within 12 feet of the work are the only ones that understand cause and effect. Everyone else just thinks they do. <laughs> and so if you've got to, rather than, rather than being too quick to go into planning mode, rather than being too quick to dictate to the organization what they do, instead take the targets down close enough to the people. That's what we do in this practice to where they're the ones that you're asking. And, and you can't ask an open-ended question. This is what we've learned in terms of engaging them. You, yeah. you come to them with a problem that feels like a riddle. All right, if we wanted to reduce out of stocks in this operation, right now we're, we're out of stock in about 20% of our key items most of the time. If we wanted to reduce that from 20% to 5%, here are the seven or eight activities we think would have the biggest benefit, but we know you're closer to the action than we are. Which two of these seven would have the biggest bang for the buck? Right now, I'm not, I'm not telling you, I'm asking you. And the team might say, well, number three is obvious, Chris, but you're missing the big one. The, the, the big one is if we don't do a spot check while the truck is still here, none of this, none of this makes any difference at all. Okay, well, how would you, now I got to convert those activities into something that feels like current homework average and number of hours and studying. Now then I take that and I get that into a scoreboard, <clears throat> but it's not my game, it's their game. They're going to create the scoreboard. They're going to pick the strategy. Right. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking the team to determine our marketing strategy. I'm not asking them, right? They're, they're not, they don't get a say on, on, on capital investments. So I think the first thing is for the leaders to know what lane you're in. Am I in a lane where I have to do a lot of planning? Think of it this way. I'll say it this way and we'll be done with it. Can I push this result or do I have to pull it? And too often, you know, we don't make the right read. And, and when we do have something we want to pull, there are some rules for creating intelligent pull. 
on a critical metric. And that, that might be the best framing of yeah. what this book is about. But Evan, that's a thank you for asking that question. So the, the question that I also get about engagement is, what if I get feedback that I don't agree with? And now, so they say three and six. Yep. But I think it's three and eight. Yes. What do I do I love now? this one. I love this question too. Okay, so the first thing, distinctions, right? Um, uh, was it Socrates said, beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms. So I just cut horizontally a second ago between stroke of the pen, life support, and wildly important goal or right that at an yeah. area that we could call breakthrough. And that was a good way for me to figure this out. The same thing now holds true for this question of what if I don't like the feedback. So now cut it, cut it horizontally. Let's say that we're going to drop some targets. Let's change the word from don't like to disagree. Okay. What did, did I say? Did I say you don't? said don't like. Oh, I, I disagree. Yes. yes. I disagree with the feedback. Okay. So horizontally now, let's say that the leadership team, let's say we've got a fictitious leadership team. Yeah. And then we've got a bunch of managers that have to implement it. Okay. And this leadership team is engaging with these managers about the leadership team's goals, not the frontline team, okay? So we're they're talking. Yeah. And what we've learned is, let the leadership team explain the process, what they're doing, where they're going. Let the team ask clarifying questions first. No feedback at first. Don't, don't open it up to feedback until everybody's clear on what actually got said. That's a surprisingly helpful component. Yeah. And then once everybody's clear, open it up for feedback with, the, with these guidelines. The onus is on you to convince us. This is not a democracy. These are objectives are ours, right? Our necks are on the line. The, the little adage behind this, Evan, is people have to have their say, but they don't have to have their way. And we know like that's that. true because it rhymes. I'm not done yet. So then what you've got is, Someone will make a comment. Well, why are we pursuing this, Chris, when we could be doing this? Well, why don't we do that? And, and the leadership team might say, that's a really good point. And we looked at that and we thought about that too, but we've decided that right now we're going to do this instead of this. Okay, I got hurt. Someone else might bring up a point and you say, you know what? She's absolutely right. We didn't think about that. That, that number's a rolling percentage. That won't change. She's absolutely right. We're going to change our model. So in that case, but everybody gets the fact that this is not best idea wins. It's not a debate and it's not a democracy. Once I say the onus is on you to convince us. Now, full stop. I learned this from my mentor and I was amazed at what I saw. Once the leadership team locks their goals with the feedback, let's say of management, the frontline managers, then they flip it and they say, okay, everybody we're gonna take a 10, 15 minute break. When you come back, whether you agree with this thing or not. I'm not gonna waste four months building a case for change. I'm not gonna waste an enormous amount of time trying to support my ego around why this is such a good idea. We made the decision, you gotta say, we made the decision, we're moving. I tell leaders, don't be afraid to be leaders. But now, once those targets hit them, it's different. Take a break, come back from the break, and here's what I want. Every one of you that leads a team, Give us the one target from your team that would have the biggest impact on 
the metrics that we just talked about. So now you're pulling, you're not pushing. Yeah. Where I'm going to get in trouble is when I start dictating to those teams. And so then the team re-engages, they come back. And what I was shocked by, Evan, was that people that 20 minutes ago were adamantly spitting angry about the direction of the company were now all of a sudden supporting it just because somebody asked, they didn't tell. And so if, if, if I disagree with, let's say, the, the targets that are coming, what we say is here's the, here's the way this next section works. We're going to veto occasionally, but we won't dictate. Okay. So love what you say. What you say works perfectly for my company. I've got like 20 people, right? <laughs> right. Now, company, and I've got 10,000 employees. Yeah. How does this scale? One of the things we say is that the four disciplines are not a magic pill or a silver bullet. They're a set of tools um, practices that are, that are really effective in the hands of a good leader. So the way it scales is exactly the way it would work in your organization. I, you know, I've spent 29 years working with very large organizations. And what we learned is there's no such thing as a very large organization. They're just collections of small organizations. Most of the time they're right. It's units. So you're a leader. You, you have a lot as a CEO, you have a lot more in common with the director of a firm with 20 or 30 people, right, than you do with that CEO. And so what we've seen is, and when we enter organizations, we always start working with a leadership team. Yeah. And we apply the principles kind of at a cellular cell by cell. Great question. You know, I've had a lot of experience with this, particularly in franchising. Um, mm. and, and you absolutely, with large numbers of people, can give people avenues to contribute. You can do surveys. You can do town hall meetings. Yep. You can incubate things up. You can create advisory councils. Um, I think your principles absolutely, absolutely work. Uh, there's a fourth principle. We're not going to get into that. Oh, do you and, want to let me just add one thing to this. We at Franklin Covey were really nervous for a long time that the front line would pick poor lead measures. Yeah. And we had a colleague of ours from Denmark named Karsten Lingard. And he finally just like, not physically slapped us in the face, but he might as well have. And he said to the team in the US, he said, would you stop worrying that they're gonna come up with the wrong thing? If they own it, they'll fix it. And I never forgotten you, that. You are if so, they own it, are, they'll fix it. If you own it, if you gave them the answer, they'll just come back and tell you you were wrong, boss. And this, yeah. once we switched that mindset, this methodology really got traction. Totally agree with you. Totally, ownership, is so critical. Otherwise, they just sit back and say, ah, they're so stupid. You know, ever heard of the term beware of high level dumb? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's brutal. It's no, brutal. It, it, it is. And it can it, happen to any of us. Yeah. And it's amazing to me because I, you know, sometimes you read a book and you go, oh, yeah, I get that because that's me. Sometimes you read a book and go, oh, my God. I read your book and go, oh, my God, this is me. This is what I do. I just never documented it. Yeah, we get that. Yeah. <laughs> We get and, a lot of good operators, and we don't have a monopoly on these principles. A lot of good yeah. operators have come back and said, or they, or people have come back and said, you know, I used to work for this woman. She was like a turnaround artist. This is what she did. She just didn't call it what you call it. Yeah. So anyhow, I, um, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for? I cannot tell you how many times my eyes have been opened by listening and thinking yeah. strongly, I know the answer to this problem, and then finding out, when you talk to the people that, as you say, are 12 feet away, that how wrong, how wrong, how wrong I was. 
And sometimes you can win the argument with them and, and be wrong. Like because of your position power and maybe your experience, they may not be able to win the argument. You might be able to make your case, but when the front line is uncomfortable with what you just said, that, that for me, with sales teams, I know, okay, I might've won the argument. Uh, I don't know that I'm right anymore. Like yeah. I really trust the instincts of those people that are closest to the work. I, yeah, been wrong so, so much. So there's a fourth distinction, which you touched on, touched a little bit, but people don't know what it is. We're not going to go into it because this is a book you got to read or listen to. Oh, uh, look at that. Okay. Okay. You do. You do. Because we've talked a lot about a lot of great things and you might say, well, I, why do I need to listen to the book? I just heard the podcast. But you do. This book, you go, th there's such depth and, and very well written, I might Thank add. You. There are people listening though that might say, well, you know, how do we connect with Chris? and what types of things Chris does. And let's not make it a 20 minute ad, but you know, let's, let's get a minute on you and, and, and let people know if they'd like to connect with you. All right, well, well uh, there's a whole consulting practice that I started back at Franklin Covey. And um, so there was a variety of ways that we can help personally. Uh, I spend my time doing keynotes and conferences and these days a lot in the form of, of web and virtual. So um, the nickname for the four disciplines of execution is the number four DX. And uh, if you want to find me, Chris McChesney at four DX.com. Uh, we'll pull up the website and Nick Smith, uh, who plays point for me, whether you want, you know, a keynote, a conference, uh, uh, I, we can direct you in the right place. That's probably the easiest answer, Evan. Thank you for asking. Excellent. And we always ask everyone, if you had one tip, what would that be? The one tip, I'm gonna do it for leaders, if that's okay. That's great. Is to ask yourself this question. Do the people who work for me somewhere, maybe not the entire sum of their jobs, but do the people who work for me somewhere feel they have a winnable game that matters? Even if 80% of what they do is completely frustrating, if there's one component of their work that feels like a winnable game that matters, those people will produce for you. And it will be very impactful for them personally as well. Well, Chris, I want to thank you. You've been a great guest. Uh, enjoyed the conversation a lot. Likewise. And uh, thank all the listeners for being here till the end. Very much appreciate you. Everyone have a fantastic day. Thanks, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>